me invite you, church, to open the scriptures with me this morning to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 16. So church, we've been journeying through uh, Mark's perspective of the life and the ministry and the teachings of Jesus Christ. Today we come to the final chapter. In fact, last week we looked at Mark chapter 15, the culmination of uh, Jesus' earthly ministry. There in that chapter we read about his uh, unjust uh, trial and treatment, crucifixion and death. But the good news is that this was God's plan. That before the foundation of the world, God planned to carry out this event in this way, ultimately for our good, for our salvation, and for His own glory. See, if the story ended after Mark chapter 15, we might simply look at Jesus as a good man, a good teacher, uh, perhaps a prophet sent from God who did some extraordinary miracles, witnessing to God's power, but we would have to conclude that he was a misled man who claimed more than what he really, what he really was. The good news is that uh, we have Mark 16, a glorious resurrection account where God testifies to the truth about Jesus. So as we look at the scriptures this morning, as we look at Mark chapter 16, the central truth that I think we'll see, that I want us to see in the greater context of the story and of God's word, is that God testifies to the truth about Jesus. So as you find your place in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 16, I invite you to join me standing as we read about this truth. Let's hear from God. Mark 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. In church, at this point, most of your Bibles have some sort of notation, perhaps a footnote, maybe a a break in the page, maybe a change in font. That's because there's disagreement about whether or not the final verses of Mark's gospel were in Mark's original writing. I'll say there's a long history of inclusion. For the sake of our purposes this morning, we're going to read it. Apart from a couple minor things, the things that are recorded here are recorded elsewhere in the New Testament. So let's continue. Verse 9. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest. 
but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, verse 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Let's bow in prayer. And Father, we do thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that you are a God who speaks to us, a God who is present with us. Lord, speak to us now, for we as your people, as your servants, are listening. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, church, you may be seated. Through this text, we see that God testifies to the truth about Jesus. So right away in Mark chapter 16, Mark uh, mentions the name of three women, uh, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, uh, women that he specifically mentioned twice at the end of chapter 15, witnessing the death of Jesus. And so now these women are on their way to, to the tomb to see Jesus's body, uh, to prepare his body. They're coming with spices or, or ointment that uh, they would have purchased either late Saturday night after sundown, once the Sabbath was over, or early Sunday morning on their way to the tomb. And like flowers that we might place on the, uh, the tomb of a loved one, uh, they were coming to pay respect to the body of their friend and perhaps to preserve his body for a time. But I don't want us to miss, I don't think Mark wants us to miss, uh, the unique nature of him, miss, uh, of him mentioning these three specific women. You see, in that day and time, uh, the uh, testimony of women was not regarded in the same way that it would have been uh, for men. Uh, these women, uh, their, their testimony, their witness, uh, did, did not constitute a very reputable witness or was not believed to have constituted a very reputable witness. So all that to say, uh, if Mark were making this story up, if he were devising some fictional account that he wanted to convince others to believe, he would not have written it in this way. Surely he would have chosen some other more reputable witnesses to, to verify the account that he wants others to believe. But he doesn't do so because that's not the way that it happened. He mentions these women, specifically naming them, witnessing the death of Jesus, and then specifically naming them, witnessing the empty tomb as if to say to those who read this account if you want to verify this story if you want to know whether or not this really happened go find these women and talk to them they are witnesses they are still alive go and hear it from them for yourselves you see god testifies to the truth about jesus through resurrection witnesses the resurrection witnesses. He testifies to the truth about his son, our Savior, in multiple ways. One of those ways we see through his word is through resurrection uh, witnesses. 
Now, the Jones household, my household, um, is in our second year of uh, real school, of big school. My daughter's in first grade this year. Last year, about this time, was a big transition time. She was off to kindergarten, and uh, her mom and dad were uh, looking uh, at the school calendar, the Shelby County school calendar, to see what might be a good day for her to try out the cafeteria. And so... Uh, the second, third day of school, something like that, don't remember, we noticed that they were serving chicken nuggets for lunch. We thought we can't go wrong with chicken nuggets. Uh, Kinsley, you're going to get your lunch uh, uh, from the cafeteria line today. And so she goes, and she comes home, and uh, Ashley, my wife, asked her uh, when she gets home, how was school? It was great. How was lunch? It was good. Uh, how many chicken nuggets did they give you? Six. How many did you eat? One. To which her mother responded, You've got to eat more than that because we are paying for you to purchase your lunch at school. To which our daughter replied, no, you're not. I didn't have to pay a thing. They just gave it to me. (laughs) Of course, her mother stepped in and said, actually, no, I put a check. It goes into your account when you give them your little lunch number thingy that deducts money from that account. You have to eat your lunch. You see, there were some faces up front. There are different people and characters involved in lunch in the school. There's some cooks. There's some servers. There's somebody that's checking uh, the kids out as they come through with their food. But there's someone else who's behind the scenes ensuring that there will be lunch, that there's money to buy lunch. In a similar fashion, church, here as we read resurrection uh, accounts in the Scripture, uh, witnesses to the life and the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, there are some specific characters that are named, some credible witnesses. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of of, of Joseph uh, and Salome, others who are mentioned by name, some real live people whose story gives credibility to, Uh, to Jesus' resurrection from the dead. But even so, much more so, there is a mover and a shaker who is behind the scenes. God himself, who is orchestrating these events and these encounters and who wrote this story in such a way to testify to the truth about Jesus Christ our Lord. And so these particular women, they go to the tomb and the angel says to them, tell his disciples and Peter, that he's been raised from the dead, he's not here, go into Galilee and you will see him just as, just as he told you. You see, Jesus had predicted that this would happen. You know from our time in Mark's gospel that Jesus has at least three times told his disciples that he would die, but that he would be raised from the dead. But even so, no one expected this. You see, resurrection accounts were no more common in that day than they are in our day. Some Jews believed in a general resurrection at the end of life. Greeks did not believe in a resurrection at all. And so when these things happen, no one expects it. No one initially believes that it is going to happen, but it does. Because God is testifying to the truth about Jesus. And then these women are instructed to go and tell Peter and the other disciples about what has happened. Mark doesn't record that encounter for us, but another gospel writer does. In fact, Luke 24, hear from God's word. Welcome to turn there and see it for yourselves. The next 
book of the Bible, Luke chapter 24, verse 36. We read about that interaction, that account between, between Jesus and his, and his disciples as he appears to them. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Luke says, when Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Verse 45, then he opened their their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Resurrection witnesses, particular women named in the scriptures, 11 disciples, 11 apostles who have been living and following Christ, now See the resurrected Jesus and these disciples, by their way, by the way, give their lives and risk their lives in order to spread this message. Do you think they believed it? The resurrection appearances continue. Like Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and following, he says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Verse 5, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. He says, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Whereas Paul is making a similar point that Mark makes, that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, has appeared to witnesses. If you want to verify the credibility of that, Paul is saying, go and ask some of these people. Many of them are are still living. Go and ask them for yourselves. You see, church, there were other messianic movements before and after the time of Jesus. But every single one of them faded away when their leader died. Not so with Jesus. Jesus gave his life, but he was raised back to life by the power of God. He appeared to hundreds and he has been followed and is being followed by billions. And he will continue to be the object and the person of our praise and the one who provides salvation for whosoever believes in him. Church, God testifies to the truth about Jesus. He does so so, uh, through resurrection witnesses, and he does so through miracles. God testifies to the truth about Jesus through miracles. Through miracles. Let's look back at the text, Mark chapter 16. These ladies, these women are on their way to the tomb, and on the way to the tomb, they suddenly remember there's a problem. They're not going to be able to get to Jesus' body. Verse 3, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Verse 4, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Mark is intentional here about emphasizing that this stone was a barrier. This was a, a massive stone that no man alone could move 
And yet they arrive and the stone has been moved. The description Mark provides shouts miracle. And they enter the tomb and the body is not there. Jesus has been crucified on the cross. He's been laid in the tomb. They arrive at the tomb on Sunday morning. The body is gone. It's not there. It's still not there. It's nowhere to be found because our Savior is alive. Jesus is alive. He's ruling and reigning with God. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's exercising His sovereignty over all the people and nations and kingdoms of the world. And church, because He lives, you and I can face tomorrow. Regardless of nuclear threats, regardless of terminal illness, regardless of depression or whatever, you fill in the blank. Because He lives, our hope is in Him. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because you and I know that He holds the future and that life is worth the living because He lives. Church, do you believe that? Do you believe the description and the account of witnesses to the resurrected Jesus? Do you believe that for the last 2,000 years people have received forgiveness of sins and righteousness and new life and declared it before others through the waters of baptism because they know that the Savior is alive and that life is found in Him. Jesus then instructs His followers as told here by verse 15, also told elsewhere in the New Testament to go and to preach the gospel. Go and tell others about this good news. And then we come to verse 17. According to this portion of the scriptures, we read that Jesus also said to his disciples uh, that uh, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Strange stuff. Foolish things have been done over this portion of the scriptures. Some right in the great state of Alabama. Church, we certainly want those who trust in Jesus, those who come to faith in Christ to display fruit of salvation, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, and peace, and other evidence of a changed life, of new life. But be glad to know uh, that snake handling is not a membership requirement here at Meadowbrook Baptist Church. So, so what's going on here? Why is this here? Even though the, the poison and the snakes are not mentioned elsewhere in the New Testament, like I said, there's debate over whether or not this is uh, original, but all the other signs here are. What's going on here? I think this is the, dif- the difference between uh, prescriptive and descriptive language. So even if original... Jesus is not prescribing for his followers to go and test God and to expect these things to happen. He's simply saying, as the message of salvation in Christ spreads in the early days, in the establishment and growth of the church, there will be some signs, some incredible signs that confirm the validity of the message. How do we know that? We see that elsewhere in the New Testament. Acts chapter 2, verse 43. 
summary of the early church. We read that everyone was filled with awe at, awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. In other words, miracles accompanying the spread of the gospel. Acts chapter 8, verses 5 Five through seven, we read these words. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. In other words, he went and told him about Jesus. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. The author of Hebrews summarizes it this way. Hebrews chapter two, verse four, saying, God also testified to salvation, to the message of the gospel by signs, wonders, and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. In other words, in the early days of the spread of the gospel and the growth of the church, God testified to the validity and the truth of the message that his people were proclaiming through signs, through miracles, through wonders. Nowhere does the scripture command us to demand a sign from God or to expect a sign from God. In fact, Jesus cautioned against such a perspective, such a demand. But rather, the scriptures call upon us to remember the signs. To remember the signs that God has already given, confirming, verifying, supporting his truth. So do signs and miracles still happen today? I would say absolutely. But perhaps not for the same purpose and not to the same frequency and not to the same degree. Why? Because we have a different testimony. We have the gospel of Mark. And we have the writings of Matthew and Luke and John. And we have the Acts of the Apostles. And we have uh, the letters of Paul. We have the completed and written and compiled word of God that, that testifies to the truth about Jesus. Church, God testifies to the truth about Jesus through his written word. Through his written word. The scriptures are clear on this much. They are clear on the gospel. They are clear that Jesus is God's plan to rescue sinners from death and condemnation and to give them life in him. The scriptures are clear that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, stood in our place. He took the punishment that we deserved. He took the judgment of God, poured out on on a world of sinners. He died in our place for our sins in order that we might be forgiven and have life in him. In order that we might be reconciled to our maker and live forever with him. Whosoever believes, whosoever hears and responds to this message in faith. So hear and believe God's witness. Friends, let's hear and believe God's witness. God testifies to the truth about Jesus. As a people, we want to be believers who know Him, who seek Him, who serve Him, who know God through biblical worship. Let's hear the testimony of Mark, who tells us in the first line of his gospel that he's writing to convince us that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. Let's hear the testimony of the centurion, as he sees a a, a dead and lifeless Jesus of Nazareth hanging on the cross, and he says, surely this was the Son of God. Let's hear the testimony of three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. Let's hear the testimony of the apostles of many mentioned in the Word of God, but 
most of all, church, let's hear the testimony of God. Let's hear the testimony of God. John tells us in 1 John chapter 5, verse, verse 9, he writes to believers, and this is what he says. He says, we accept human testimony. Human testimony is legitimate. It's valid. But God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his son. He says, whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. He says, God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Have you believed the testimony of God? Do you have the son of God in your life? Have you trusted in him for salvation? Have you received the gift of eternal life that is found in the son of the most high God? Church, if the gospel of Jesus is true, as Mark says it is, as the scriptures declare it to be, as numerous lives attest, if the gospel of Jesus is true, then it changes everything. It changes everything for you and for me. So let's orient our lives around the truth of the gospel. Yes, let's hear and believe God's witness. Let's hear the message and then let's shape our lives around it. Let's orient our lives around this life-changing truth. Has this truth changed you? Have you been affected by it? Have you responded? Yes, with repentance and faith, with a heart, a mind, a desire that longs to follow Jesus. Church, because this is true, let's make some changes. Let's make some changes in the way that we live and walk and talk and think and serve and act. The way that we work. Let's make some changes that reflect the truth of the incredible message that we believe. Because we believe it. Let's be a people who grow together as followers of Jesus Christ. You know, this message beckons us to hear and believe the witness. Calls us to orient our lives around the truth of gospel. And then finally, it calls us to go out into the world proclaiming the message of the gospel. So as people who believe this message, who really believe this message, how could we not go and tell others what the Lord has done for us? Let's go and tell others what the Lord has done. Verse 15 of Mark chapter 16, he said to them, Jesus said to them, said to his people, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Matthew says that Jesus told his followers, go and make disciples of all nations. Luke says that Jesus told his people, Acts chapter 1, 8, that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's be a people who go and tell what the Lord has done for the good of others and the glory of our Savior. Church, I want you to know I'm excited about the days ahead for Meadowbrook Baptist Church. Excited as we embark on a new phase of our journey together, as we build, as we renovate, as we make room for other folks to come and to grow alongside us and to serve the Lord together. And as we go down this path, as we embark on this journey, let's be intentional about going and telling others what the Lord has done for us. Go and tell our neighbors. Go and tell our coworkers. Let's go and tell our classmates. Let's go and tell the world what the Lord has done that we might follow Christ together 
for the glory of the Most High God. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for the truths of your word. We thank you that your word is timeless, that it is unfailing, that though the grass withers and the flowers fade, your word endures forever. Father, we thank you for the eternal nature of the gospel. We thank you that despite our sin, you chose to send your son to the cross on our behalf that we might have forgiveness, that we might have new life, that we might know what it means to be restored into right relationship with you, to be reconciled to you, to enjoy your presence now and forevermore. Lord, we long for the day that we will be with you. Lord, now as we declare our faith in you, as we sing praises to you, guide us that we might respond to the truth of the gospel of Jesus in a way that glorifies his name. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.